This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. We are on the eve of free agency, and I'm here with my good buddy, David Wiener. You know him as Beamathug on the board, uh, an attorney here in Houston, loves the Rockets, uh, knows the ins and outs of the salary cap, and that's where we are right now with the Rockets the salary cap. That's what matters. They stand to have possibly $40 million in cap room uh, as they enter into this uh, free agency period. And this is the, this is what they have David to improve that we knew that their draft position was not great. Their trade assets are sketchy to average and it's the cap room that they have to improve this season. Well, uh, great to be back, Dave. Um, I'm wait. I thought they had a first round pick this year. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> they did not. Yeah, no. Uh, the Rockets definitely have stockpiled a, a significant amount of cap room. Between they should have anywhere from forty to forty six million, uh, depending on on what kind of cap holds that, that they keep. Uh, they'll, they'll probably have somewhere in the the thirty something range, even if they keep some of the restricted free agents on the board. Um, and you're right. The, the, after a thoroughly disappointing year in which almost every player had a down season and has reduced their their value to the team and their value as a trade asset, uh, the Rockets really are going to have to heavily rely on cap room, whether that is to sign free agents outright or to absorb salaries via trade. And then, then it becomes a question of what assets are you going to give up to even to get larger salaries back in trade. So it, it, it's a it's a big offseason for Daryl Morey and the Rockets. And see, I think that's that's what's troubling right now, why we can't figure this out, because this is a team, the Rockets, that always places a premium on value. They never, or, or they, you know, seek to avoid overspending. They don't like risk. And this is the summer of risk. It's the summer of excess uh, of overspending the salary cap, making that huge jump, and we're all expecting salaries to explode. Um, and that's why they want guys like Durant, uh, besides the obvious, because at any max salary, these are the guys who are worth that. Durant, LeBron, uh, Dwight Howard three years ago, they want those superstars. And that leads me into Durant, who is fielding uh, interviews uh, starting on you know Friday, Thursday night, midnight, um, and he's got six teams on the list. The Rockets are not one of them. And I think that's, uh, you know, a loss for the Rockets. I think it kind of shows where they, you know, slipped. They looked like the team that was on the, the cusp of, I don't want to say greatness, but certainly championship contention, and things fell apart. Just the wheels came off last year, uh, and now they, at least from what we can see, can't even get a meeting with Kevin Durant. Yeah, it's really disappointing. I mean, I think uh, had Durant hit free agency a year ago, 
I certainly think the Rockets would at least get a meeting with him. Um, I've said all along, I think the overwhelming likelihood is that he's going to re-sign with Oklahoma City on a one-plus-one deal and then uh, have his player option in the second year opt out next summer when he's eligible for the super max as a 10-year veteran and he can make a starting salary next summer around $35 million. And And he could sign, I think, what would be uh, the first ever two hundred plus million dollar contract, and I think again, if, if it had been a year ago, the Rockets, uh, Western Conference, coming off a Western Conference final appearance um, with his good buddy James Harden, uh, Dwight Howard, that still, you know, while somewhat injury prone, was still a, a top flight player come playoff time and a good supporting cast. I think you would have to entertain the notion of joining the Rockets. After this past season, there's just no way. Um, one thing I will say, though, even though I think he'll, he'll return to Oklahoma City no matter what, I, I don't think he's going to go to the Warriors. I don't think he's going to go to the Spurs. These teams getting meetings now with Kevin Durant could prove fruitful in a year when Durant opts out, when Westbrook's yeah. also going to be a free agent, when the likelihood of Durant leaving Oklahoma City would be a lot greater a team that already got its foot in the door a year earlier uh, has had a chance to introduce Durant to the executives, the owner, their way of doing business, I think would would give those teams a leg up in Durant's 2017 free agency. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. I look at it as far as the Rockets are concerned is it's just a victory if they can get a meeting with him. Uh, and right now they're losing that battle, but we'll see how uh, things unfold you know, I that's what they've been focused on for months is is you know trying to get Kevin Durant here, and we'll see if Harden can can you know if he has that kind of pull. I do. I'm with you. I don't see him leaving OKC. I thought I liked the trade that OKC made, even though you know Ibaka has been a big part of that team. I think Stephen Adams played a huge role in the playoffs, can fill that gap, and to add Sabonis, who's the one of the guys I was extremely interested in with you know the Rockets having the the 12th pick if they missed the playoffs or the pick from Detroit in the Motiunas trade. Um, that was one of the guys I was extremely interested in. And of course they get Victor Oladipo, a guy who can defend, uh, has a, a lot of upside as a two guard. He gave the Rockets a lot of trouble himself uh, in Orlando, uh, defended, I thought, Harden pretty well at times. So I, I think OKC got better. Uh, that he, you know, Oladipo is going to end up replacing waiters. So I think he does stay there. But that's the problem right now is if you don't get Durant and that looks like what's going to happen, where do the Rockets go with this money? Um, and it brings us to Dwight Howard. We have been hearing all along that it just did not – the writing was on the wall. It did not look like he'd want to be back here and that the Rockets didn't want him back, certainly at a max contract. He's out there looking for those kind of dollars. And now we're hearing some reports that you know the Rockets – are wanting to bring him back at less than max. That to me is a little bit shocking because I assumed this is over. Marriage is over. And I would be stunned if he, if they brought him back because I think what we saw on the court last year just did not work. I agree that this past year, Dwight's fit with the team was just disastrous. And I think this might be kind of the, the intersection of necessity with uh, with with the use of cap room that right quite quite frankly Dwight Howard might be the best possible NBA talent that the Rockets can attract with their cap room 
Um, now, on Dwight's side, you know, as you mentioned, he's, he's seeking a max contract, which for Dwight, as a as a ten plus year veteran, his max starts at around thirty one million, and I would be shocked if any team offered him that much. Maybe on a one year deal, um, but I'd be shocked if any team offered him that much money on an annual basis. Uh, most teams, I guess, would offer two year deals. I think he'll he'll want a three or four year deal. And it, this could be a, kind of a, a kick in the pants that, that maybe Dwight needs. That, that you know, perhaps he fashions himself a super max player still. And when he gets on the market, even in a summer when teams have more cap room than ever, and he sees how few teams want to pay him what he thinks he's worth, maybe he gets the message that that the landscape's changed on him. Um, maybe he comes back to an organization that, quite frankly, the Rockets have have done right by Dwight. I think his his whole tenure there, I think they've been really good for him and he's been he's been good to the organization for the most part. And if they can get on the same page, that's a that's a huge if. If they can get on the same page with how Dwight ought to be fit fitting with this team going forward and D'Antoni's system, then there could be a match there. I know most fans, myself included, are fairly skeptical that the fit would be ideal or even close to ideal, but the talent shortage in this free agent class is a problem. And the Rockets, even if the Rockets sign Dwight and then trade him in six months, it might be better than throwing an equivalent amount of money at a mid-tier free agent. And that's the only thing I can think of, is if you're bringing him back, say, on a two-, three-year deal, if he's actually agreeable to that, is you give it a, a test run. If you still have the same on-court chemistry issues, then you deal them. Because, you know, as mentioned, the Rockets are all about value. And it doesn't matter how they spend their money. They just avoid overpaying. They try to avoid, you know, collecting contracts that are unmovable unless, of course, they're getting some sort of asset in return for that. So if they deem that, you know, if they're able to get Dwight Howard at a value that they feel is easily tradable down the line – then you know they that would be an interest uh, to them I I would assume but that's the only other thing I could think of because I'm I I just don't see him fitting in with D'Antoni I don't see him fitting in uh, with with uh, Harden right now the way things are going I just think it would be yeah you know, after that abomination of a season a little uh, disappointing to see them try to make this work once again and I've been a big Dwight Howard fan I'm not trying to pin this all on Dwight it's just. I don't think you can go in, in the way the NBA is evolving. I don't think you can go in a direction that depends on Dwight yet again. Right. I mean, th- there's a small handful of free agents I'd rather have than Dwight, but it's a small handful. And the odds of the Rockets getting even one of those players is not very high, um, let alone getting two of them. So I think with Dwight being kind of the best available guy on the board – I think he, he's going to remain a viable alternative until we find out he signed some ludicrous deal with another team. And and I say ludicrous deal, ludicrous is the new norm. So so uh, until he signs a market deal with another team. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, let's talk about Donatus Motionis. Uh, you know, I found out at draft night that that's you know they want to bring him back. I I assumed. They were going to clear the books of, of some of these guys, even though they like Demo, perhaps the health issues. I just I didn't like that the trade was voided because I felt like they were going to end up letting him walk. 
That's not the case. They want him back. They want to communicate to him that they want him back. So I expect that later today we'll see a qualifying offer go out to him. Terrence Jones is the other guy. Had just an awful season. Uh, basically was nailed to the bench for the second half of the year. Um, but at the same time, his qualifying offer is not super expensive. Do you expect the Rockets to extend an offer to him? Yeah, I, I think it absolutely uh, Demo gets a qualifying offer. His will be about $4.4 million. He met the starter criteria uh, by starting a certain number of games over the last two seasons. Uh, Terrence Jones has a, has a slightly smaller qualifying offer. Uh, it's about $3.5 million. And even though uh, Terrence Jones did what Zach Lowe has on more than one occasion referred to as, and I quote, pooped the bed uh, with his performance this past season, yeah. I still think the Rockets are going to extend that qualifying offer to Terrence. I think he he's still a talent and even guys coming off of down years at his age with his raw talent are going to be getting contracts that are somewhat sizable i think a lot of fans are going to be surprised by some of the offers that terrence gets or that he hypothetically would get if he were an unrestricted free agent so i think the rockets will probably extend the qualifying offer and the good news is Unless Terrence just takes the offer, which is a one-year, $3.5 million deal, which itself is a pretty good bargain in free agency, unless he does that, which I don't think he will, um, they can always rescind the qualifying offer later if they need that cap room. So it's, there's really not a whole lot of risk to the Rockets here. But I, I expect them to extend qualifying offers to both of them. Now, I'm, I'm sure by the time uh, most of the listeners hear this podcast – the Rockets will have made their decision public, and, and I might be proven a fool, but uh, based on what I can surmise uh, so far, I, I think they extend qualifying offers to both. Okay. So let's take Durant off the list as far as whether that's realistic and then the stopgap Dwight Howard option if they bring him back uh, for whatever reason, whether it's you know to trade eventually or give it one more go and then make it you know make a decision. What do they do with this cap room? That's – that's what I'm wondering. There's so many teams with cap room. Are they going to be able to leverage it in the same way, taking on some contracts here and there in exchange for assets? It seems like they might punt for the 2017 uh, free agent class if they can. But there are a few names I want to throw out there. Mike Conley, Al Horford, and Ryan Anderson. You know, all these guys are probably going to get max contract offers. I don't know about Ryan Anderson, but but the other two are probably going to get that. Do you see the Rockets going after these guys? From what you and I have been reading, just like everyone else, it looks like they are going to at least go after each of those three guys. Conley and Horford, I would expect, are going to get from other teams, not their incumbent team, uh, the full four-year max, which is four years, about $113 million, which comes out to over $28 million per year on average. I'm a little wary of paying Conley that much money. I I love Conley. I think he's a terrific point guard, great defender, good floor general. Uh, I think he'd fit nicely in D'Antoni's system. But, man, paying him $30 million in his age 33 season just scares the hell out of me. Um, I'm a little less concerned paying that much to Horford, um, who I've loved – for, for years, I think he's kind of the perfect modern-day big. Uh, he, he's he got – you talk about the Rockets not shooting long twos. Horford can shoot long twos because he's a high-percentage 
long-range shooter, whether it's long two, he's a pretty decent three-point shooter, he's a good defender, uh, he can play the four or the five. I think he'd fit nicely as a five in D'Antoni's system, or he could play the four. I, I just always love this game. He, you know, he's not a superstar, but he's absolutely solid. I think he checks all the boxes for what you want in an NBA big. And I think his game will age more gracefully than most, where if you're paying him $30 million when he's 33, yeah, it's going to hurt a little, but I think he'll still be a good NBA player into his early to mid-30s. See, what I like about Conley and where I think the team, the Rockets, lack is leadership. I think he's a leader. Uh, he's a very good point guard, obviously a, a solid defender, but I just I, I like his leadership. But I, I'm with you. Is that worth a max contract? Um, that's tough to say. I do think Conley and Ryan Anderson are going to get some Rockets interest. Whether they're going to, you know, whether the offers that they get are going to shatter what you know the value line that the Rockets place on them, I don't know. But I think those two are going to get uh, interest from the Rockets. Horford makes. Yeah. Now on on Anderson, I think he's not going to get a full max deal, but I think he'll get he'll get offers in the eighteen to twenty million dollar range, if not more. And um, you know, great three-point shooter, a really good rebounder, actually. Um, kind of like a, a poor man's Kevin Love. Right. And, um, I, and I don't know if it's all about money, and maybe it will be for everybody, but you have to think Ryan Anderson looks at Houston with D'Antoni and, and their power forward situation and says, yeah, I, I like this. Yeah. Oh, If I'm Ryan Anderson, all things being equal, i got to be salivating at the chance to go play for Mike D'Antoni right, in that yeah. system where you're going to get to pad your stats, put up big numbers, you'll get – I think I'll, he could have career years the next two years under D'Antoni. Um, the question is, if the Rockets offer him $3 million less per season than Team X, would he give up that money to go play for D'Antoni? I don't think so. You know, I got to. This leads me into the next point. We're still talking free agency, but I have to go sidebar here and talk about Les Alexander Rockets ownership. You know, we've kind of flirted a little bit with the notion that you know there have been times in Les Alexander's tenure he's been a great owner, but there have been times where, in my personal opinion only, uh, the business of basketball has not always aligned with the business of championship contention. I think. You know, it's always been a Les Alexander directive that the team does not lose. They will not rebuild by losing. We have to keep winning. And I think at times that's hurt them. They certainly were able to rebuild with Harden and Howard using that philosophy. But, uh, you know, there have been times that certainly if they had been in a lottery, they, they might have been in a better position. Um, the, you know, there have been signings, that the original Jeremy Lin signing, uh, or, excuse me, not, not the original one, but the second one, um, was – uh, you know, a, a certainly a Les Alexander decision. You know, we joked at the draft that Les Alexander was going to draft Jochi. Uh, he did actually do that. And I'm not disappointed with the pick. I think it's a good gamble there. But certainly there's a factor, uh, a business factor long term. So it brings me to my point here. Is Jeremy Lin going to get Rockets interest again? Because I, you know, I would have thought that would have been crazy given that they unloaded this guy uh, with one year remaining on his deal at $15 million, costing them a first-round pick to do so. 
could they actually buy into this season he had with Charlotte and try to bring him back? Yes. Okay, my heart stopped. <laughs> um, now, now l- let me separate the Les Alexander China business decision from the basketball decision. Do I think it would be in the Rockets' best financial interest to, to bring Jeremy back? Probably yes. Um, now, putting that aside and focusing purely on basketball, at the right number, I actually think Jeremy Lin would be a good fit on this Rockets team under Mike D'Antoni. He, Lin's sanity happened under D'Antoni. Um, I know it's kind of a flash in the pan, but Lin is a pretty decent point guard. I think his skill set aligns with what the Rockets are going to try to do offensively next season. The question is, how much would you pay him? If you can get him on a really reasonable deal, go for it. He could either start for you or he could be your sixth man. Um, You could start Beverly just to have a defender next to Harden and then bring Jeremy Lin as a sixth man, kind of the role he played in his last season with the Rockets. But I think he would flourish more under D'Antoni than he did under McHale. I know you don't necessarily agree with me, Dave. Well, let me explain why. You know, it's not just the, the crazies that would come back. Certainly, his fans are, uh, you know, ha- have a, a history with in the Clutch Fans forums. But we've already tried this with James Harden, and and I'm looking at D'Antoni as, if I'm not mistaken, he, that D'Antoni is looking at Harden as being the role that Jeremy Lin played in New York, that Steve Nash played in Phoenix. James Harden, for whatever you want to call it, is going to be this team's point guard. Uh, now, I may be wrong, but I just don't see Jeremy Lin coming in here and handling the ball the way he did with the New York Knicks for two weeks and running the offense, more or less. And it's, I think we're going to run into the same exact issues that we always did. He he had a solid season with Charlotte, came off the bench. Uh, I think people need to realize that came off the bench to do so. A lot of his fans were angry when the Rockets benched him and he was the sixth man here, but that's what he was in Charlotte. And he's still not a good three-point shooter. I think career, he's around 34%. Last year, he was 33 to 34%. I just, I don't see it. I really don't. I mean, he's he is a good point guard, but I don't see how he fits alongside James Harden. Well, I think under the D'Antoni offense, they just, they need playmakers. They need playmakers, and the one thing Lynn did well in Charlotte, even though it was in limited or more limited minutes than a starring role, was he got to the free throw line. And you know, as much as, as Harden had a fantastic year offensively, this whole team was Harden, Harden, Harden. Just his usage, his usage rate was through the roof. They need additional playmakers. They were hoping they had that in Ty Lawson, and he just. You know, again, to borrow a phrase from Zach Lowe, he just pooped the bed. And uh, uh, Jeremy could be that secondary playmaker. You know, is he the savior? Absolutely not. Would he fit a role in this offense, a a non-starring role, but a key role nonetheless? Yes. Now, some team is probably going to offer him more money than the Rockets are willing to give him, but he at least falls within the range this summer of of a guy that is both good enough to pay above mid-level money, but, you know, w- without just, you know, drastically overspending and, and also kind of 
fits in with the scheme without getting into the Mike Conley 26 plus million dollar max range. Yeah. You know, when I say I wouldn't want Lynn back on this team, in fairness, Lynn may not want to come back here either. Uh, it didn't end well here in Houston, uh, you know, with the little Jersey gate issue with the Carmelo pursuit, but certainly with Dan Tony here, when he was his coach had the most success with him and does have a, a history with Houston and Les Alexander, you have to wonder. Uh, I, I certainly do. I wouldn't put it past the Rockets to to contact him, which leads me to another guy that I would be shocked if they try to bring him back, but it makes you wonder, and that's Chandler Parsons. I wouldn't. <laughs> wouldn't I, be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked because, again, you know, I'll say this, the, the 2013-2014 Houston Rockets team would have been great with D'Antoni. I think Parsons checks a lot of boxes on what they need. He's a playmaking wing. He's got length. He can he can pass. He can shoot. Now, the knees are a big problem, and I think a lot of teams are scared off of giving him max money because of his knee issues. But just purely from a skill set standpoint, he would fit wonderfully with the Rockets. Um, I wish he had not left under such um, bitter circumstances. And I know you and I have both gone on our individual rants about the circumstances under which he was even allowed to hit free agency in 2014. Yeah. but purely from a basketball standpoint, I think Chandler Parsons, the basketball player, would fit this team very well. Uh, I think certainly offensively in a D'Antoni system, I think he could um, you know, be a solid addition. But, I mean, it, it feels, David, like the last 12 months that the Rockets have just made missteps. It's almost like they've gone against their philosophy at times. Yeah, or I don't want to say gone against their philosophy. They just It just hasn't nothing's worked right for them. And I think if they brought back Chandler Parsons at a healthy contract, I, I immediately think of Daryl Morey, you know, saying, you know, you don't overpay the Chandler Parsons, you, you draft the Chandler Parsons. And here they would be giving him that same type of money. I, I would be floored yet again. Uh, if that happened. Now, in fairness, in fairness, had they matched the offer sheet in 2014, Chandler Parsons would still be a free agent right now. And the Rockets would have to offer him a contract exactly the same as what they'd have to offer him right now. So in that sense, they lost two years of Chandler, but it's not like they would have been in a better financial position vis-a-vis Parsons right now had they matched that offer sheet. Well, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I I, I still would put, I guess, I could see the Rockets doing that with these type of players, but at the same time, I'm, I'm going to say shocked on both if, if it was Lynn or Parsons, just because. Hell, hell just trade for Omer Oshik. Let's bring the whole band back together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I should, uh, you know, point out as far as Les Alexander, I, I mentioned some of those issues before. I thought one of the big ones was going after D'Antoni, which was a bit of a shock, but not just going after D'Antoni, which seemed to be against the basketball minds, what, what they were uh, picking as a coach but that Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, did not get an interview. I thought that also showed a little bit more of Les Alexander, um, I don't want to say meddling, but just controlling. And I've always felt, I should be clear, that Les Alexander picked the coaches, but it just always seemed to be aligned with the basketball operations and staff, and it didn't seem to be the case this time. And I'm ready to move forward with D'Antoni, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm excited about the fact that they're going to play, um, you know, a fast 
exciting brand of basketball, but I just didn't feel that, you know, the, the offense was their problem. They already had a philosophy that was heavy on threes and, and uh, trying to run out into transition. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I just think that was also part of the Les Alexander control issue. I completely agree with you on that point that, that um, Les was heavily involved in picking the coach. And I think the fact that Van Gundy didn't get an interview was, was largely due to, I think, Les's preference for a D'Antoni type of coach. Um, now, I, I think, you know, had Les been more open, I think Van Gundy would have at least gotten an interview. But I think they, they didn't interview him out of respect for him and not wanting to waste his time because they had a feeling they weren't going to go in that direction ultimately. So they just as easily could have given him an interview and then gone with D'Antoni, but they just I think the relationship, there's a very good relationship between Van Gundy and the Rockets, and they just, out of respect, they didn't want to waste his time. I, I will say this, I, I'm, I don't think any Rockets fan is particularly excited about anything the Rockets have done lately, just because of the general malaise over this horrible, horrible season. Yeah, I think there's some bitterness um, in, in the fan base. I think there's bitterness right now. I think they have it, to win them back right now. It, 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 exactly. And I think that even moves that on their face are decent, they're just not going to be viewed, fair, quote-unquote, fairly because just because of that malaise. Yeah, I, I yeah. was not particularly thrilled with the D'Antoni hire, but I thought it was decent. It was a decent hire. I thought it was a better hire this year than, than I thought the McHale hire was a few years ago. Um, I think he can, I think he can quote unquote succeed, whatever we want to categorize success as. I think he can be a good head coach for this team. And I think just the general bitterness that fans feel just carrying over to this decision that, Oh, this is some sort of disaster. It's not a disaster. It's not blowing anyone's mind. It's not bowling me over, but it's a decent hire. I think. I think he'll. I think he could do really pretty well. And I think that you nailed it there with the fact that you know I thought a lot of people were very disappointed with the draft. I don't want to jump ahead to the draft just yet, and we'll talk about it in just a minute. But I think uh, given where they were, I didn't think they did that bad on the picks. But let me just throw out a couple more names in free agency, and then maybe we can move on to the draft. But Courtney Lee, that's a guy I'm interested in. Uh, Alan Crab. Bradley Beal, both restricted, not going to have any chance at all for those guys. I would love to get them, but uh, I don't see it happening. But, you know, outside of that, I, unless the Rockets are going to wait this period out and then just try to get some value free agents, it's it's hard to see who they go after for big dollars. Right. And, and you know, that kind of leads into the, the, the whole philosophical approach what what do the Rockets do if they don't get any of the big name free agents? Exactly. And do do you overspend? You know, they could offer Ryan Anderson the max tomorrow night and get him. But do you do that? You know, does does adding a Ryan Anderson type and and Ryan Anderson would be a best case scenario as far as what we're talking about, like not the top top guys. Right? Ryan Anderson, I think, is kind of that second level of free agent, second or third level free agent. Um, you know, with as, as you kind of let off the podcast with kind of the, the a team that, that that's structured on finding value. Yeah. And and now in the summer when when value is thrown out the window, you know, how how do these competing philosophies uh, mesh yeah. with one another? Um, I'm I am inclined this is just me personally to 
to, you know, I, I would park, I'd park some of that room. I'd, I'd go with cheap young, young kids and, and, you know, try to win as many games as you can. You're going to win, a, you're going to win a lot of games just having James Harden on your basketball team. Um, and then see what you can do in 2017. I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that. Um, I want to get your thoughts, and then I actually want to chime in on kind of playing devil's advocate on what I just said and, and one reason why it could be da- a dangerous game to play, even though from a, a long-term franchise-building standpoint that could be the right play, there's, there's definitely some danger there. Well, and I, know, I think I know what you're getting at. I, I do not agree with the philosophy that the Rockets need to shatter their value perspective and overspend because James Harden's a free agent in two years and you have to keep him. I think that's how teams, you know, perhaps I look at LeBron with Cleveland the first go around. I think teams have done that, gotten themselves in, in real trouble, uh, and stars have left anyway. In my opinion, if if James Harden shows some sort of reluctance to, to be here, you move him in a year, you know, or, you know, in six months or whatever it is, you consider trading him as great as he is. And I'm not, I'm not advocating dealing him right now. I'm just saying if the team has to overspend and shatter value for guys just to keep him here, um, then I, I, I think you have to consider rebuilding at that point. They have to make smart moves, not panic moves. And they've never you know, that's what they've always done. There have been times where it hurt them. I mean, I look at Goran Dragic, and they didn't, you know, come up with a deal that should have been the right value because they, they placed a certain value on him, and he left. Uh, and I think that's, um, you know, hurt them at times. But in most cases, it's kept them pretty safe from from uh, those type of, you know, debilitating contracts, and that's been a good thing for them. But, uh, you know, we'll see. That's just my philosophy on it. I don't think that this team needs to – go crazy on some guy who just may help them win five more games next year. I agree philosophically on that. Although, uh, you know, and you hit the nail on the head that the, the, the risk is hardened is that he, he's a free agent in 2018. And if we kick the can, as a lot of people like to say on the message board, uh, to 2017, now you're looking at Harden only having one year left on his deal and then how do you attract free agents? Uh, uh, you know, our own Ben DuBose had a nice article for, for uh, Sports Talk 790 where he touched on this in more detail. But, but you know, it, it makes it harder to attract another star free agent next summer if our own star is only a, one year away from, from leaving. Sure. And it kind of leaves us in limbo. Do you, do you trade him in advance? You know, it, it, history has shown that if you want to get real value for your star, you need to trade them at least one and a half years before free agency. Um, and I don't think the Rockets are going to be ready to, to give up on, on James Harden by the trade deadline of this coming season. So it, there's really a balance, a balance that needs to be, to be met here about improving the team but not breaking the bank for, for sub-mediocre players. And let's talk about the draft. You know, you mentioned uh, the you know getting young players, and that's certainly why a first-round pick would have been nice this year. But they didn't have one. They made the playoffs, and uh, it was really a fun week. The, that playoff week, I enjoyed it. But uh, I think that you know I was disappointed they didn't make any moves. Uh, that's my disappointment with the draft. Beyond that, considering they stayed at 37 and 43, and who they got uh, as far as undrafted free agents, specifically Gary Payton II. Uh, um, I was happy with the draft. I think there was a lot of disappointment uh, from a lot of people, but I thought 
um, getting Chinanu Onuaku, uh, guy's 19 years old. You know, he's not some elite superstar in the making, but uh, he's already got a great defensive foundation. I think they can build on that. Capella's going to need some help. I like that they um, have a couple of young guys that they can groom at the center position. Um, you know, Joe Chi was, was – it surprised me. I, I thought Demetrius Jackson would get more interest there. But I think the, the – I don't want to say philosophy necessarily, but just the approach of drafting guys with enormous upside so you control their rights and then using the undrafted free agents to, to add some guys who may help you right away – I think Gary Payton II is a, is a really sneaky addition. Um, I, you know, I don't think he is a great all-around you know offensive player, but I think defensively he could have a real impact in the league, and that that spells uh, a real role player to me, a guy who can come in, um, considering some of the point guards that are in our conference um, that could play a role. So I thought they did okay in the draft. I mean, they, they didn't have the assets in the draft to make a huge impact, but you know, they, they added some pieces for the future and uh, might get a guy or two that can help them this year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, the fans complained they didn't trade up. You know, uh, I think there was a trade in the same range as where the Rockets were picking. I believe uh, New Orleans had 39 and 40, and they were only able to, to move up to 33. Yeah. So if the Rockets were going to try to package 37 43, I'm guessing 33 would have been as high as they could get. Uh, even if you throw in some cash, you throw in some, you're not going to get above the very late 20s. And frankly, I think Anuaku is a, a, the same caliber player you were going to get in the late 20s anyway. I, I, I really like Anuaku. He was one of the guys I was kind of focusing in on in the days leading up to the draft, kind of figuring who, who could be available in the Rockets range that might have a skill set that would translate well to the NBA. Because you're looking for role players there. You're not looking for the next superstar. And I think he, he has definite role player potential. For whatever reason, Maury, and one of the knocks on Maury is that he quote unquote only drafts upperclassmen, which is not correct. Uh, this further is another evidence. It's, uh, Anuaku is, was a sophomore, but he's a very young sophomore. He's only 19. He's not turning 20 until November, uh, basically the age of a freshman. Um, reminds me kind of, of a, of a taller shot blocking version of Chuck Hayes. You know, for for years we would say, you know, I love Chuck. Most fans, most Rockets fans, love Chuck. We would always lament that, man, if he was a three or four inches taller, he would be <laughs> such a force. And Anuaku has that potential. He can block shots. He's he's six ten. I mean, six nine without shoes, but we play in shoes, and everyone's measuring shoes. He's six ten, and he he's got that strong ba- lower body base. I think he's got tremendous defensive potential. Yeah. He's going to be, he's a project, you know, Chuck Case came out of, as, after a senior year, this guy's got a lot of way, ways to go, but I, I really like his potential. He's going to be a Viper next year. I don't expect him to help the team next year, but beyond that, I, I, I like the potential there as a bench big. Joe Chi, you were at my house for the draft. We we all laughed when the pick was made, but that was mostly because it just seemed like the most less Alexander-ish thing in the world right. that he got picked. But it was a sensible pick. All the mock drafts had him going either in that range or above that range. A lot of mocks had him going in the late late first. And if you had told me before the draft, okay, how do you want to manage? You're stuck with these two picks, 37-43. 
how do you want to how do you want to go with the draft? How do you want to handle these? I would have said, well, I think we one of the picks should be a draft and stash. Well, he was the best draft and stash player on the board. I think in retrospect, it, it made perfect sense to take him. Will he be a great NBA player one day? Who knows? He's he's an intriguing talent. He's extraordinarily long, skinny as hell, but uh, hopefully he puts on a little bit of weight and they can bring him over in a couple of years and see what they have there. But I like the fact they got a, a stash pick there instead yeah. of having to take up another roster spot. And then the three the three uh, undrafted free agents they got led by Peyton, who I also love. I agree with your assessment, Dave length. I think this is the most length we've had in a point guard since we, since uh, the Rockets uh, waved Sean Livingston in 2012. Um, tremendous defensive potential. The guy can't shoot worth a damn, but um, you know, he could be kind of, if nothing, you know, even if he's just your third point guard, a guy to play on the Vipers, you call him up if you need, spot minutes to de- to defend ones and twos. Uh, you got a guy who can fill a role and maybe he can grow into more. Uh, they also signed Isaiah Taylor out of Texas. And as a Longhorn fan, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see a Longhorn a whole make training camp. Uh, he'll have an uphill battle, but he's a, he's a pretty uh, explosive uh, scoring point. Um, not sure he makes the team, but, but I think uh, he'll be given a shot. And then Kyle Wilcher, um, who's a 6'10", um, tremendous three-point shooter out of Gonzaga, uh, started his career at Kentucky. Um, he's got a chance to make the, the back end of the roster. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of a of a Matt Bullard type or Steve Novak type, but he's got a little bit of post game uh, as well. Um, not holding my breath, but a guy who I think will will have a nice year on the Vipers, and you know maybe could be kind of what. A, for, for the, do a deep dive for some Rockets fans, uh, w- what many people thought maybe Marty Lunin could eventually be if they ever had brought him over before they ended up trading him. Ooh, Marty Lunin reference. Marty, yeah, hey, you know our listeners deserve the deep <laughs> the deep dive references, and they get a Marty Lunin reference. Nice. So, so, and and I I looked at the draft express rankings, and you know they should be taken with a grain of salt, but um, all of these guys were pretty highly ranked. Uh, I think. Jochi was number 36, uh, Anuaku was 38, Peyton was 48, Taylor was 67, and Wiltshire was 75. So the last time the Rockets got five guys out of a draft class that were all in the top 75 players, I'm guessing it's been a while. So this is a, an intriguing crop, no stars, but but some, some nice role player potential. Yeah. You know, and as much as I love Daryl, Huge fan of Daryl Morey. I love how candid he is. He's unlike any GM. I mean, he's got a Twitter account. He puts stuff out there. As much as I like him, he's got to learn to not tell the press that, you know, we can move up. It's easy to move up. We think we have a trade. I don't know how many times that's happened in his tenure, but there have been many times where it's alluded to a trade and it hasn't happened. And, you know, things change, certainly. He mentioned that they thought they had two deals in both times or they did have two deals in place, and both times uh, those players were, uh, you know, that the, the guy that they wanted was available, so they didn't make the deal. So, you know, it, it happens, but I think uh, this time you know, he actually used the phrase that it would be easy to trade up, and I think, you know, fans were left a little bit disappointed. But again, given that they stayed at 37 and 43 and who they scooped up after the draft, I was fine with it. Uh, so we're, here we go. It's going to happen now, Dave, and um, we'll see what you know what ends up happening with this team. But it's just, 
it's still unclear to me what direction they go beyond the, the uh, Durant thing. And like I said, any of those guys, even Dwight throws me off, Lynn Parsons throw me off. I, I you know, Conley Anderson Horford is really where I, that kind of wheelhouse. And after that, I have to see them waiting this out and scooping up some, some value free agents. But this is going to be, they, they certainly have the money to play around. We'll see what they actually end up doing. I appreciate you doing this, man. Any, any closing thoughts? Um, I think I peaked at Marty Luna. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's all it's all downhill from there. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I appreciate you doing this. No problem. It'll be definitely an interesting, potentially depressing uh, off season, but uh, it, you know the emotions will be running high. Yeah, well, trades is is what could save this off season. I think uh, off the free agency alone is is concerning outside of getting one of those top guys. But trades and picking up some contracts that are already established before this explosion uh, is where the Rockets could surprise us and and give us some promising news. We can only hope. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Until next time, man. All right. Thanks, Dave.